Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Zara McDonald and Michelle Andrews. That has thrown me because oh. I didn't write. Why am I reading that line after four and a half years? Why can't I just say it without reading? <laughs> Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, giggly producer Annabelle Lee. Hi. Hey, team. Coming up on today's show, who is young sweet Roe and what do we make of the rumours that Travis Scott has been cheating on Kylie? Sophie Keisha has announced that her engagement to professional basketballer Maddie Garrick has been called off. And who the hell is advising James Corden right now? Plus, we can now name the A-lister who reportedly had a fling with Harry Styles before Olivia Wilde. And then the biggest (laughs) moment in music in the last decade. (laughs) No, I've got the stats to back that up. Okay, Midnight's, the 10th studio album by Taylor Swift, has dropped. And there's so very much to unpack. (laughs) Just so much to talk about today. Oh, again. Thank you. Praise be. You were complaining before we got on, Mike, that there was too much and we can't get through it all. I did have a small moment of negativity because there was a lot to prep for this episode because the celebrities just keep doing more and more every week. And what did I very wisely tell you? I can't remember now. You said something like, shut the fuck up. No, I said, let's not not bite the hand that feeds us. Yes, much more motherly. There we go. How was your week? It was a good week. A weird week. Something weird happened in the office yesterday that we want to talk to the listeners about. We were all sitting at our desks. I opened our Instagram account, as I so often do, because I do a lot of Insta stuff here at Shameless. And I noticed our two most recent follows back to back in the exact same minute as each other were Cody Simpson and Emma McKeon. (laughs) And we thought straight away... What was the conversation that led to this? Because as long-time listeners of the show will know, Cody Simpson, pop star turned professional swimmer, swimmer, plus Emma McKeon, golden girl of the Aussie pool, are like one of our fave celebrity couples. 
I'm a swimming fan. You are. Well, we're all swimming fans. <laughs> Some of us more than others. Zara likes to claim that she's the biggest swimming well, fan. Well, have you ever watched the World Championships? No. Have I loved Emma McKeon and Cody Simpson this year? Absolutely. And then we're all lovers. <laughs> and we all love them. Yes, it, it's, there's, there's nothing more jarring than when something like this happens because you think, is this a power move? Is this natural? What is going on? We are a little confused. We don't know if these two listened to an episode and then joint followed us if they maybe heard a segment we've done on them in the last oh we've done a lot on Cody Simpson heaps he might have remembered the birthday message he so kindly sent you this year yes he might have listened to the time that we pranked the listeners last year and called him Cotty Simpson for an entire episode the options are endless and we would like to hear your theories yeah because also Cody immediately shared one of our memes to his Instagram story and we're like interesting don't know what this means then Emma like Eight hours later, also shared oh, one of our memes she? to her yes. Instagram story. So I'm like, so she followed us, left it for eight hours, then came back to share them. I just, I'm Different I'm memes as well. Maybe they want to be friends. Maybe this is how famous people make friends. Well, if they want to be friends. I don't know. I'm so on board. <laughs> I am so on board if they want to be friends. So on board if they want to be like maybe uh, surprise guests or not so surprise guests at our live show later this year. Oh yeah, let us know. Get in touch if they want to come to the live show. Because <laughs> we did actually sell our live show tickets this week, Mish. Thank you so much to the 2,000 people who are coming to the Melbourne Town Hall. Mm. Not at all intimidating. Dating. They <laughs> went pretty quickly. We had a few tech glitches, as we almost always do every single time. Oh, live yes, show tickets go up. It. Yep. it has to happen, but we are so excited for December. Thank you, everybody, for doing that. And we'll let you know if we have some guests of honour. Don't be disappointed. <laughs> do not let me manage your expectations. Do not be disappointed if we don't. Oh, I'm sure Cody and Emma have much more important things to do than be at our live show in December, but they are welcome. I might get them a throne. If they want to come, maybe we could dress Cody up as Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be Santa I Claus. Think, I think we've got more, more likelihood of getting Annabelle Lee to dress up as Santa Thank Claus you. for that show. Michelle, what are you recommending this week? I have a very basic recommendation. We Excuse love those. Me. I do feel like I've been coming to the party with some pretty like great content you wrecks have. recently. Yeah. So if everyone will allow me a beauty wreck, of I course. would be very grateful. Okay. I have seen the Sol de Janeiro Brazilian Boom Boom Cream. I did think it was Bum Bum Cream. So did I until Gemma Watts did that viral TikTok video and said it's not Bum Bum Cream. It's Boom Boom Cream. I've seen it everywhere for years, but because it's like a body lotion, I was looking at the price point on the Mecca website thinking it's a body lotion and never making the leap. Like what could a body lotion possibly do to be worth, I think it's like $70. Oh, wow. It's ludicrously priced, right? I bought it this week or last week because my hens is coming up this weekend. And I thought if there's ever a time to have like extra glowy body skin, it's at your hens. I really want to recommend it to the listeners. If you have a special event coming up, this is not going to be your everyday body, body moisturizer. <laughs> it's probably the cost of liquid gold. But if you have a special event like a wedding, a hens, a 21st, a 30th, whatever coming up, this cream, I don't know what the hell is in it. It is amazing. I've been using it for a week and I swear to God, it is one of the best beauty products I've ever used. That said, after my wedding, I'll never be buying it again because it is ludicrous. I have a funny and embarrassing confession about this product. So maybe I reckon it was 2019. Yes. Around the time of Mechaland. We hosted Mechaland all these years ago. And we got, after hosting that, as a thank you, you know, a few products to try and test. And the Boom Boom Cream was one of them. But I thought not only was <laughs> it called it. Bum Bum Cream, <laughs> but that it was for your ass. <laughs> and 
I thought, in what world am I ever going to use this? So I gave it away. Is- Did you give it to me? Because yes. I gave it to you. I was going to you. I've been chipping away at this huge thing of boom boom cream for years because you gave it to me. Oh my God. So that's why you've got the bougiest skin of all time. Yes, it's got like little bits of glitter in it, or like tiny bits of shimmer. Yeah. It's incredible. Has it expired after all those years? I don't years? know, but I'm still using it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like it? Like, I back love, me up. It is I a very. It. Very good body cream. It feels good on the skin, that's for sure. Yes. You're missing out, Zara. Back. <laughs> no. I went back. Yeah, maybe put you know what? Put it on the company card. Yeah, I'll <laughs> buy yourself one. to some boom boom cream. And I'll give you my review next week. Well, we'll all be at my hens on Saturday so we can all have like glowy, Shimmery beautiful skin. <laughs> all right, Zaz, what about you? What's your rec? So I've got two quick recommendations today. I know that's against the rules because we have so much to cover, but I think you <laughs> both will like both of them. Michelle, particularly this first one you will like. Hell yeah. There's an amazing podcast podcast episode by a podcast called Into It. It's a Vulture podcast. And the episode is a portrait of the artist as Taylor Swift. And it is one of the smartest branding and pop culture conversations I've heard in a very, very long time. Obviously, in the wake of Midnight's, Taylor Swift is everywhere. And so the host, Sam Sanders, has this just incredible, incredible conversation with Anne Powers, a music critic, about her brand. And I know this sounds like a very, very oversaturated conversation. (laughs) Everyone's had this conversation for a hundred times. We did it on Scandal for like three episodes, yes. (laughs) This is smarter than that. (laughs) (laughs) By far. It's just a really, really smart conversation about her as a self-portrait artist and what it means for her to be the centre of her own brand and her stories to be the centre of her own brand. It's really, really good. You will really like it, so listen to it. Mate, it's got Taylor Swift in the title, say no more. (laughs) The second thing I want to recommend is a television show. I am so excited about this one in particular. It's on Apple TV. It is called Bad Sisters. I'd been hearing about it everywhere and I thought to myself, I've got to jump in and just watch this. I was nervous because when you hear hype about something, Mm. I get nervous that it's not going to – I'm just not going to connect with it. I'm obsessed with it, obsessed with it. It's Irish. It's based on five sisters – one of whom's partner or husband has just passed away. I don't want to give away too much. It's sort of a comedy drama. If I said more, the concept might sound more ridiculous than it actually feels when you're watching it. But it's amazing. The acting's amazing. The storyline's amazing. The production's amazing. Do you need subtitles on to understand the actors? No, no. Sharon Horgan is also the lead. And Annabelle and I were just Mm. talking about her before we jumped on. I'm in love with her. She's also in This Way Up, which I haven't seen or heard It's funny. It sounds like the same vibe as this show. Right. Interesting. I had never heard of Sharon Horgan before this. I'm obsessed with her. We're also having a real moment for like sister content Mm. because this month's book club pick is about sisters as well. I think you both will really like this TV show. Mm, So you don't seem excited about it. I think I'm lost at the part where you said if I give you more detail. You might. Well, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) Because that makes me think, like, are they all going to emerge as, like, vampires or something? No. You know, I could never do Supernatural or anything. Well, just tell us then. No, more so the... Here we go. The circumstance. It's so fucking hard doing this without spoiling anything. More so it's, like, other circumstances of his death a bit suspicious. Oh. You're right. That does make me doubt. (laughs) No, please try it. Okay. Where do I watch it again? Apple TV. Apple TV. You will like it. I would say... 
Better Than Tell Me Lies just underneath the split Intr- in Ooh. our current TV rankings. And I actually quite like Tell Me Lies. I know a lot of you are being haters about it. We have a lot of listeners coming to us saying, girls, Tell Me Lies isn't it. One such hater is Claire Andrews, my sister. <laughs> I back that wreck from you, by the way. I just want to give you some support. Listeners have been giving you a tiny bit of shit about well, Tell Me Lies. Oh, uh, well, I also recommended Virgin River last week, so it's not been the <laughs> Anyway, let's jump into the first segment of the show because, as we said, we have so much to cover we need to talk about Young Sweet Row. We need to talk mm. about Travis Scott and Kylie Jenner. Yeah, you guys might have seen this story bubbling away on social media this week. It's made some headlines too. We're going to walk you through this story step by step, chronologically as it unfurled, because it's been quite the ride and there is also very much to unpack. Yeah, more than I realised at first glance. So... Essentially, whispers have been circulating that Travis Scott had been cheating on Kylie Jenner, right, with an Instagram model by the name of Rojane Carr. She is known most commonly as her Instagram handle, which is Young Sweet Row, which is what we'll be calling her throughout this segment. She has over 400,000 followers, right? Now, these rumours have been going on for years. These rumours have finally kicked back up. Yeah, so we first read about Travis and Rojane Carr having an alleged affair in about 2019. You might remember reports from that year. We spoke about them on Shameless. It was kind of this weird evolving story across the year. In March, we had reports from the likes of TMZ and the Daily Mail that suggested Kylie and Travis were on the rocks because he was having an alleged affair or multiple affairs. There were all these reports that she had caught him maybe messaging Instagram models inappropriately. She found something on his phone. They had an explosive argument. The relationship was in crisis. By that October in 2019, even the likes of like Paper Magazine and People Magazine, who are a little bit more reputable, were linking Rojane Carr's name to Travis Scott and his split from Kylie Jenner. So this is a woman we've been hearing about in the celebrity media space for more than three years. Yeah, and the timeline here is very interesting, right? Because according to a number of reports, Ro and Travis have been connected for almost a decade. There is this reported photo of them from 2013 where they seem to be cuddling this giant teddy bear together. They also seem to have dated on and off over the years. And some internet sleuths have pieced together timelines on sites like Medium to better understand exactly what's going on. So the split in 2019 between Kylie and Travis was kind of precipitated by a few things. Mm. First, Roe posted a screenshot of Kylie Jenner's account to her Instagram stories, writing, how many times a day... Do you block and unblock me, girl? Yeah. A few days after that, Ro posted a photo of a brand new, very expensive watch to her Instagram feed and wrote the caption, tell your BD I say thanks. Now, BD is slang for baby daddy. So tell your baby daddy I say thanks. Did you know thanks. that? I thought big dick. <laughs> oh, I, went, I went elsewhere. Oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry. Perhaps also that. <laughs> tell your baby daddy I say Thanks was the general interpretation (laughs) of the caption. Now, weirdly, a day after that went up, Kylie Jenner posted a photo of a very expensive designer watch on her Instagram stories and thanked Travis Scott. So people were looking at that saying, did Kylie see this very expensive watch on Rojane Carr's Instagram page go, where's my watch and then, po- I don't know. Coincidence. I don't That's know. clearly a coincidence. There's, Surely. Well, I, the caption, tell your baby daddy, I say thanks. Oh, it's like, so rude. It's, it despite it's anything. rude and it's trying to stir up drama, right? For sure. Now, despite all of this, when the 2019 cheating headlines became so big, 
Roe actually did put out a statement denying everything. She wrote at the time, none of these rumors are true. It's just the internet creating a false narrative. Please stop spreading lies and leave him, her and I alone because it's affecting real lives. So that's the general background, right? We've left out like all the nitty gritty details. If you want to go sleuthing for every little skerrick of information, do that. Generally, though, an overview is there were lots of photos timed where it looked like Roe and Travis were in the same place at the same time. Reports that she was also at his birthday party. Just reports that they'd been connected for a decade. Yeah, a lot of a lot. So what's happened recently? Last week, Roe posted a video of what appeared to be Travis Scott on set of a music video. She posted this to her Instagram stories with the caption, I'm directing Obvi, as in obviously. 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 (laughs) Prompting people to speculate, first of all, why was she back in the vicinity of Travis Scott when he is with Kylie Jenner? Why was she on the set of his music video? Does this mean these two are dating again? Yeah. Now, all hell broke loose on TikTok like it so often does. So much so that Travis Scott was actually forced to respond. Here's what he wrote on Instagram in response to all these rumours. It's a lot of weird shit going on. An uninvited person was sneaking photos on what was supposed to be a closed set while I was directing a video. He went on and said, I am saying this for the last time. I do not know this person. I've never been with this person. So please stop with the continuous cyber games and fictional storytelling. I found this statement very interesting at the time because I was like, but how can you deny knowing her, right? She says she's known you for 10 years. There are photos connecting you together. And it was this statement in particular that forced Roe to snap. She snapped and was like, you know what? I'm going to stop denying this. She went on Instagram after this and said this. So what we're not going to do is lie. I've been good. I've posted whatever fucking story you wanted me to. I pretended I didn't know you went along with whatever fucking narrative you guys wanted to. This Valentine's Day, I saw you. I ran out the door and you had every single girl I know blowing me up like, Trav's asking for you, come back. Are we pretending that didn't happen? Like, come on, you cheat on that bitch every single fucking night. The whole fucking city sees it. (laughs) I'm watching Annabelle's face because... For those who are unaware, Annabelle never knows what we're really talking about before we sit down to do the show. We love her organic responses. (laughs) You clearly haven't seen this story or been following the details as it's unfilled, right? I was the same as you. When I saw this Instagram story from Ro a couple of days ago, I was like, what the hell is happening? Like very squinty, very like, I was definite that these two have been connected, right? Mm. In my mind, I was like, there's no way that he doesn't know who Rojane Carr is. How Look can you at all just say that? Like, don't gaslight us. Yeah, wild. Well, that's where the story gets quite weird because there's now an account on TikTok called at young sweet Ro big faker that is debunking some of Ro's most noteworthy claims. Chris Jenner, is that you? <laughs> Genuinely, who was yeah. behind this account? First of all, it's taking a lot of the like visual evidence that Rojane Carr has been posting. So the photos over the years, the overlapping timelines with being in the same city at the same time, being at the snow at the same time or at a casino at the same time. And it's really looking at those photos and assessing how they have potentially been photoshopped and doctored. So this account at Young Sweet Ro Big Faker is alleging that Rojane Carr has had this scheme over the last five to 10 years where she has been essentially living out a fake relationship with Travis Scott online. And it can prove that at least some of the images of her with Travis have been doctored. 
Yeah, yeah. Some of them are from Google. Yes. Like there's proof that some of these images, at least one or two that I've seen, are from Google. The others kind of remain to be seen. It's not for us to say one way or another, but it's certainly an interesting theory. That's for sure. Now, after Rogine Carr said, you know, I spent Valentine's Day with you, or I at least saw you on Valentine's Day, he responded to that again, sharing a time-stamped screenshot of a Valentine's Day table set up that we're guessing he enjoyed with Kylie Jenner, mm. with the caption, if you wasn't at this table on V-Day, then you wasn't with me. Now, it's all so incredibly, incredibly confusing. It's like, is there actually merit here of them having a relationship is this someone who's been trying to kind of make this seem like the truth for a long time? Of course, the other element that we need to bring into this conversation is we can't have this conversation without addressing the fact that the state of Kylie and Travis's relationship has been up in the air for a very long time, Mish. Yeah, never forget last year, and this was in the wake of the horrific Astroworld tragedy, W Magazine had to, at the very last minute, bin a massive feature story and photo shoot with Travis Scott and Kylie Jenner where they were going to make a massive announcement. So essentially that W Magazine shoot was going to announce to the world that Kylie and Travis are not in a traditional kind of relationship arrangement at all. In fact, it made out that they were very non-monogamous. Here's the quote from that article. Travis and Kylie seemed very comfortable under the sheets, but even though they will soon have two children together, their daughter Stormy is three, they're not a couple and haven't been in two years. They're the modern family. The front cover line added, as they expect their second child together, former couple Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott are creating their own definition of family. Now, the inference from that entire story, which was leaked because W Magazine couldn't quite get all the copies back before stockers started putting it on shelves, did really infer that Kylie and Travis are friends who have sex and have children together. Yeah, for sure. And I think what made it all the more confusing is after this came out, Khloe Kardashian then commented on a TikTok saying, no, that's not true. They are absolutely a couple. I don't know. <laughs> like, what, what is the story? <laughs> I don't know, but it's kind of amazing in how confusing it is. Yeah. And uh, it makes you think for how public the Kardashian-Jenners are and for how much they live their life online and on television – we actually know so very little about this couple specifically. Yeah. We know nothing about them. We don't know anything. And that's probably why this story, A, has been so confusing to follow. B, I don't feel like it's got the kind of coverage that maybe a Chloe Kardashian, Tristan Thompson story has got. But also, I just don't even know what to make of it. Like, I don't even know what side to sit on. Mm, I agree with that. I also think Kylie's online activity has been really confusing to me yes. as well this week. I know Kylie tends to be quite prolific on social media, but a lot of people have noted she is posting like a single person this week. And like I do back traps. I do back at least 80% of the people listening will get what we mean by that. Like, you know when you're newly single and you are online living your best life, you're posting thirst traps, you're looking hotter than ever. Kylie's doing that this week. It was only like within 24 hours of these cheating headlines kind of sneaking out into the media again that Kylie was posting photos in black lingerie on a bed with the caption, in your dreams. Like she is definitely embracing this single hot girl aesthetic, which is making me think, is there any validity to these rumours? Is young sweet Ro faking the whole thing? Is Travis Scott lying? Like I genuinely- Are they just playing with us? I, and then some people are saying, is this all a distraction from Astroworld? To which I would say, I don't think it is. Because every time people mention Travis Scott's name in a headline, 
Astroworld is pulled in as a reminder of what happened last also, year. Also, just on one more Kardashian thing before we roll it out, I saw a couple of TikToks yesterday talking about some reports that Kim Kardashian yes. and Pete Davidson might be seeing each other again because she's been papped walking out of a hotel room. She was but sneaking it, out the next morning. But everybody else is saying that that story is a distraction from this one. And I'm like, I don't know anymore. And then on top of all that, what is the fucking baby called? Yeah, <laughs> when are we going to get the baby name? <laughs> Coming up after the break, an update on James Corden and that restaurant pan. And then we chat about the cultural phenomenon that is Taylor Swift's Midnights. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Zara, Emma McKeon, superfan McDonald. What have you yeah, got for us? Yeah, yep, yep. That's <laughs> uh, my first story. Sophie Keisha announces shock split from fiance Maddie Garrick. That is from the Herald Sun. Author, influencer and businesswoman Sophie Keisha has announced that she has broken up with her fiancé, professional basketball player Maddie Garrick, and she did so on Sunday night, Mish. Yeah, this was a quite high-profile relationship. The women combined have over 300,000 followers on social media. Sophie and Maddie got engaged in March after a couple of years of being on again, off again. Now, they had been doing long distance since August because Maddie actually moved from Melbourne to Florence to play for a local basketball team over there and Sophie had only recently just visited her they were together a couple of days maybe a day before this news broke yeah there were definitely photos on Instagram like two or three days before this news broke so Sophie wrote about this on her Instagram stories where she said this it is with sadness and a great deal of pain that I have unfortunately made the decision to end my relationship. When I proposed, I did it with the guarantee of loyalty, trust, honesty and respect from my end. The post went on. Despite the great deal of love I still hold, I have made this decision to lead by example for what I know I deserve for myself and for my children because we are all worthy. While I am hurting, life must go on. I still have to show up for work with my businesses and most importantly, be a mum and role model to my two children. She finished up with a request for privacy and then finally saying, I will not be commenting any further. I know this isn't groundbreaking for me to have this take from that statement, but I think the emphasis on I did it with the guarantee of loyalty, trust, honesty and respect from my end to me implies at least Sophie feels that wasn't held up on Maddie's end. Yes, I think that would be a fair assessment of the wording of that statement, I think. <laughs> now, Sophie has actually deleted all photos of Maddie from her page. Maddie has left everything up. And people close to Sophie have been speaking to the media about this, according to the Herald Sun, and I quote, Keisha's inner circle say the sleepwear entrepreneur provided everything for Maddie in life so she could chase her sporting dreams. Friends are suggesting a third party may have been involved. That is, of course, from unnamed sources. That is quite brutal to give a quote saying the sleepwear entrepreneur provided everything for Maddie in life. Like that is not holding back. No. Whoever gave that quote to the Herald Sun. It feels personal as well. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> I wonder if this is where the story will stay or if there will be more to come over the coming weeks and months. My second story, 
James Corden breaks silence on silly New York restaurant ban. I haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> that is from Nine Honey. Wow. Another story with twists and turns. <laughs> so how funny is this line from Vulture writer Rebecca Alter about this story? What was meant to be a simple promotional interview with the New York Times on Thursday, October 20, became a portrait of a celebrity who is simply not sorry for heinous behaviour towards people in the service industry. <laughs> so here's what happened. Late last week, around the time that our episode last week came out, James Corden sat down with the New York Times to address the omelette situation that of we course. discussed in that episode. Of course, the situation where he was accused very publicly by a restaurateur of terrible behaviour towards a waiter. Now, he was supposed to be talking about his new series that's out on Amazon. He was there to actually promote mammals. But from what I can read in the New York Times article, he doesn't actually mention the TV show once. He is like laser focused on addressing and denying the stuff we spoke about last week. Yeah, and I guess to give the benefit of the doubt, he and the journalist are laser focused because the journalist (laughs) knows what's the more interesting story. Now... Quite hilariously, the interview kicked off with the journo, Dave Iscoff, and James Corden sitting down at a restaurant to have a conversation as a lady at a nearby table complains to a waiter that her eggs weren't quite right. You couldn't write it. Like, no, you couldn't. So James Corden took this and ran. He said, happens every day. It's happening in 55,000 restaurants as we speak. Specific. It's always about eggs. Can you imagine now if we just blasted her on Twitter? Would that be fair? This is my point. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> he followed it up with this. I haven't done anything wrong on any level. I love the so- access. <laughs> Why do you think James speaks like that? I don't know. So why would I ever cancel this? I was there. I get it. I feel so zen about the whole thing because I think it is just so silly. I think it's beneath all of us. I think it's beneath you. It is certainly beneath your publication. (laughs) Sorry. The dramatic reading is taking on a new level. He continued. Should we not all be a little grown up about this? I promise you, ask around this restaurant. They don't know about this. Maybe 15% of the people do. What's with the numbers? I don't know. 55,000 restaurants, 15% of people know about the story. I've been here, been walking around New York. Not one person's come up to me. We're dealing in two worlds here. So he did this interview and as you'll remember in the last episode, Keith McNally had forgiven James Corden. He said, (laughs) essentially, we're all a doofus from time to time. He can come back into our restaurant. Mm. Then Keith McNally decided to re-enter the chat. He uploaded another blurry, grainy Google image photo of James (laughs) Corden to his Instagram and wrote this. I have no wish to kick a man when he's down, but that is exactly what I'm going to do, <laughs> especially one who's worth $100 million. But when James Corden said in yesterday's New York Times that he hadn't done anything wrong on any level, was <laughs> he joking or was he denying being abusive to my servers? Whatever Corden meant, his implication was clear. He didn't do it. Although I didn't witness the incident, lots of my restaurant's floor staff did. They had nothing to gain by lying. Corden did. I wish James Corden would live up to his almighty initials and come clean. JC. Jesus Christ for those who didn't go to Catholic primary school. Did it take you a while? Yeah. Yeah, well. It's like the big dick thing. Yeah, all right. Keith McNally has to qualify as a larrikin. Absolutely. That's a conversation we've had on this show before. Who qualifies as a larrikin? What does it mean to be a larrikin? None of us, apparently. None of us. Keith McNally is a, like, a rogue larrikin. All of his captions, I'm like, what exactly is going on in Keith McNally's brain? This is a guy who is not running anything by anybody else. Oh, no. And he's not a guy who's even like 
proofreading his own work. No. You know how you write something out in like the heat of the moment and then you look back at your top line, you go, hmm, needs some pairing back. Some tightening. Keith <laughs> McNally has never paired anything back in his no. entire life. Now, the more confusing element of this story is after this happened, James Corden then did a 180 on his most recent Late Late Show episode where he actually apologised profusely. The flip-flopping is hard to track. <laughs> this is what he said. I made a rude, com- rude comment and it was wrong. It was, it was an unnecessary comment. It was ungracious. As her meal came wrong to the table the third time, in the heat of the moment, I made, I made a sarcastic, rude comment, right, about cooking it myself. And it is a comment I deeply regret. <laughs> After he said that, he went on to say, I also hate that I ever upset anybody ever. <laughs> it was never my intention. It just wasn't. I love that restaurant. I love the staff there. I hope I'm allowed in again one day so when I'm back in New York, I can go there and apologise in person, which is absolutely something I will do. i got to say, I find it so off-putting and, like, a little scary. It's scary. I, was I find it scary way. when people are so two-faced. Mm. How can that be the same man who told the New York Times – this happens in 55,000 restaurants. 15% of people don't even know it ha- or like know it happened and I did nothing wrong. Like I absolutely didn't do anything wrong. How is that the same person? And the fact it's the same person within the space of a couple of days. It's like, weird. I hate it. Our third story, Kanye West. Industry backlash continues as Kim Kardashian speaks out. That is from The Guardian. Yeah, this week there has been a mass exodus of support for Ye, also known commonly as Kanye West. Basically, every powerful entity in the media, celebrity or fashion landscape who has been supporting him this year has now deserted him in the wake of both anti-Semitic and anti-Black racist comments. Now, some people might not know this, but for context, on top of those awful tweets that we read out in a past episode, Kanye really has been spewing even more hate-filled and racist conspiracy theories in the last few weeks. He has been awful a number of times. I don't think we even need to give quotes on what he has said. Trust us, it's been completely awful. Yeah, and I think one thing we also saw this week was how that sort of sentiment was spilling out to the average person Mm. and some people were taking those ideas and those thoughts and running with them as well and posting banners. So it's it's been a horrendous time. Now, on top of being temporarily deplatformed by Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, Kanye West has now been dumped by his longtime talent agency, CAA, as well as had his extremely lucrative contracts with Balenciaga and Adidas, Adidas in particular, torn up. Now, film and television studio MRC has also decided not to release their recently completed doco about Kanye. And according to reports, Anna Wintour and Vogue have also cut ties with Kanye West, with Anna making it very clear to staff that the Fashion Bible will not be attending any future Yeezy shows, giving his collections any publicity or collaborating in any form. Yeah, All of that, according to New York Magazine, has made Kanye's personal net worth plummet by more than a billion dollars. I can't really think of a more sweeping 
statement statement yeah. that brands and fashion bibles and celebrities alike have made in such a short space of time and I'm really happy that's happened yeah it had had to happen Kim Kardashian also had to weigh into it all writing on Twitter hate speech is never okay or excusable I stand together with the Jewish community and call on the terrible violence and hateful rhetoric towards them to come to an immediate end Every high-profile member of the Kardashian-Jenner clan also shared the same statement on their socials saying, I support my Jewish friends and the Jewish people. I mean, a harrowing time for a lot of people, I think, watching on this. So Mm. at the very least, heartening to see so many people take a very firm stance. And what a way for him to destroy his legacy. Like that legacy is totally destroyed at this point. Torn up for sure. Our fourth story, the kid from Ellen is having a kid. That is from Vulture. You wanted this one in, so go I, for I it. I did want this I, one I that. Thank you, Annabelle. <laughs> Sophia Grace, the kid who became famous for her frequent appearances on Ellen with her cousin Rosie, has announced she is pregnant and now the whole world feels quite old. Mm, I feel very old. Now, Sophia Grace is 19. She is 21 weeks pregnant and she announced this news on YouTube on Saturday saying, I am sure a lot of you are going to be very shocked because it was probably quite unexpected. I was quite shocked when I first found out. I've gotten quite used to it now and I'm super, super happy about it. Now, if you're kind of thinking, Sophia Grace, that name sounds familiar, but why do I know her? She, of course, first shot to fame in 2011 when a video of herself and her cousin Rosie dancing and singing to Nicki Minaj's super bass went viral and then she went on The Ellen Show and they performed it in like that pink tutu getup. God, it's such a throwback. We've re-watched that video this week. I was cackling. Again, one of those videos that you watch and you think that's just as funny as I remembered it to be. It doesn't age. They are so funny. At the time when they were on Ellen, Sophia was eight and Rosie was five and they had so much sass on that chair with Ellen the performance itself is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so good. Rosie does fuck all. <laughs> she just moves her shoulders and doesn't sing at all. Sophie, She's Lana Del Rey on Snow on the Beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just hilarious to watch. I didn't realise Sophia Grace had become like this content creator and her YouTube channel has more than 3,000 million subscribers. 3,000 million? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not 3,000 million. Wow, 3,000 million. <laughs> Is an odd number of subscribers. She has. You know what I meant. You, what did I mean? Are you trying to reach for three million? I was trying to reach there. That's I, a lot of subscribers, Sophia Grace. Yes. I didn't know that she was like a massive deal. But yeah, apparently she does lifestyle content, including clothing trials, makeup tutorials and music videos. <laughs> and now she says she might do some mum stuff on there. Go gal. We Go love to see it. Go gal. Our fifth and final story. Wild new claim in controversy among Don't Worry Darling cast and crew. That is from news.com. And Mish, still so much to unpack from the fallout of the interview from Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde's nanny to the Daily Mail. Massively. Now, publications are officially reporting the claim that we mentioned in last week's episode. It was a claim that the Daily Mail put into their original article, then very quickly deleted. It got binned. And that was the claim that Florence Pugh and Harry Styles had a short sexual fling before Olivia Wilde and Harry hooked up. Yes. Now, in a video posted online, which, as we've mentioned so many times, was promptly deleted, the nanny claimed that Jason told her that, and I quote, Flo was fucking Harry and she had a boyfriend. Now, the allegation, which is, of course, just an allegation and a report, is that she was sleeping with Harry before Olivia and Harry started dating. And I think that claim in particular is that bit more hectic because we thought – 
as a collective public generally <laughs> thing, public. thought that she was with Zach Braff <laughs> at that time. They have been on and off though, we should say. Mm. Now, here's the full quote as reported by the Daily Mail. Olivia told Jason a couple of weeks after Harry started on set that Flo was fucking Harry and she had a boyfriend but was fucking Harry. Then Olivia started seeing Harry herself. It was all very quick. A lot of people don't know that. I find the wording very weird here because if the quote was Flo was having sex with Harry and she had a boyfriend and Jason gave that quote to the nanny, that's what the nanny's saying Jason said, Mm -hmm. it's just weirdly worded considering Jason is very good friends with Zach Braff. That's the only slight weird thing I've got where I'm like, I can't imagine this being the exact conversation. Is that that weird though? Because doesn't that make it even more noteworthy for Jason Sudeikis to find that detail interesting? Like she was sleeping with this. Oh, and she has a boyfriend. boyfriend, Instead of she was with Zach. Yes. Okay. I get you. It's like you're you're putting a faceless person to someone who's actually your, one of your closest friends. Yeah. It's just a weird part of the story. I mean, I don't know what to even think about it, but it's certainly, it certainly kind of adds fuel to that Olivia Wilde, Florence Pugh that we've been talking about for months now. Yeah, what do we think? And also, what do we think happened in the last week for the Daily Mail to be very skittish when it came yes. to sharing this detail to now the Daily Mail putting it out and basically every publication running it with Florence's name attached as well? I was surprised to see that, that this time last week, everyone was very nervous about this. No one really wanted to touch it. Everyone was saying A-list actress. And now it's flipped where people are saying, here's the quote. She said that Flo was fucking Harry. <laughs> I wonder if it's because it was so well told on TikTok anyway. Like if you jumped onto TikTok and had mm. any of this in your algorithm, you had this stuff in your TikTok feed, that by that point it was such a well told story that they were losing their own scoop. Mm. And then I think they had to kind of just report it as was. Interesting. Very. Do we believe it? No, I don't. You don't? You just think it's just drama for the sake of drama? I think I know Flo. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I know she wouldn't cheat on Zach. Really? But I, what it, they, I also think there's a chance they might not have been together. Flo, like Flo and Zach have seemed pretty on and off. Very on and off. And I back Zara with this because if she investigates anything, it's the goings on with Florence Pugh and Zach Braff. <laughs> and just, so you guys think. I don't know. Okay. I'm actually 50-50. If I met Florence Pugh and she said it happened, I wouldn't be shocked. If I met Florence Pugh and she said it did happen, I wouldn't be shocked. I also think for me, so glad you asked Annabelle. <laughs> I think it answers a lot of question marks that I've had about the story. Like how has it gotten this inflamed this for this long this long yeah like what's happened between Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh that they can't and Harry Styles that they can't see eye to eye they can't just brush this under the carpet they can't put on a game face or a poker face for the public that's long been a question in my mind to add like sexual politics and sexual drama into it and then a workplace and in a workplace does make a lot of sense and to your point about I think I know Florence I don't think she would do this I think the older I get truthfully the more I realise how many people are capable of cheating. Like it's a very, very common thing. And even if Florence is an amazing person, I don't think that means anything really. I think some amazing people still cheat. And so for me... And that's still even making the assumption that she would be cheating. Yeah. But I agree with you. I do not know, but I agree. It adds weight to why things have been so nuts for so long. Yeah. I think it just answers some question marks for me, but I'm still looking at it from afar going... Perhaps, perhaps not. Also putting myself in Flo's shoes, sorry, just quickly. If I was acting on a set with Harry pretending to have sex with him, I'd want to have sex with him in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And literally everyone else at this table (laughs) and listening. Thank you. (laughs) That's all we've got for the quick and dirty. Thank you, next bitch.
You really couldn't have missed it this week. After months of teasing, Taylor Swift's 10th studio album, Midnight's, was released. We all knew the response would be massive, but the actual splash Midnight's created has still far exceeded even the loftiest of expectations. So what are our main takeaways after listening to the album on repeat? And what's up with the theory that track eight, Visual Anti-Shit, is actually about Scooter Braun's alleged cheating and divorce? Zara... Where do you want to start? I want to start with you telling me why this is the biggest music splash thing in a decade, (laughs) which is how we led the episode. Yes, I would happily do that. I stand by that claim. So Taylor Swift with Midnight's has become the first artist ever to have 200 million streams in a single day on Spotify. She has also broken the record for most album streams in a single day. Midnight's has become the biggest album of 2022 in less than 24 hours. It beat out Harry's House, which was released, I think, in May. So Harry's House has had months, right, to sell records. Yeah, yeah. Taylor. (laughs) We get it. Taylor beat him in less than a day. All 13 tracks on the album populated the top 13 spots on the global music charts. That is the first time in history that's ever happened. The lead single from Taylor's album, Antihero, became the biggest debut single on Spotify ever. It took the crown from Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license, which as we know was a massive music moment last year. Over on Apple Music, Midnight's instantly shot to number one in a record 67 countries. I rest my case. I mean, it's pretty big. It's that no, I'm telling you now. I was reading articles in Billboard. I was reading articles in like quite you. serious music publications like NME. Everyone is saying this is the biggest album release in at least a decade. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been huge. And I think the cultural phenomenon that is just a Taylor Swift album is becoming something to behold. Mm. Like it's becoming something fun to be a part of. Even if you're someone that listens to the album and thinks, uh, not, not for me, not, yeah. or not sold. Like I think, I think most people can get on board with how how crazy the movement behind it is. I didn't mind the album. I think if the last week has taught me anything, it's that I am a Taylor Swift fan rather than a Taylor Swift stan. And Hayley Narman had this amazing newsletter column that dropped this morning of we're recording, so it's Wednesday morning, where she kind of wrote from the perspective of a Taylor Swift fan without being a stan, and I'm obsessed with this piece. I'll put it in the show notes because people might really enjoy it. But she had this line that I think you guys will really like. My initial read is that Midnight's was designed to be appreciated and beloved by fans specifically. Similar to how watching a sports game is more fun if you understand the history of the teams and players, listening to Midnight's is more fun if you care about Taylor Swift lore. If you don't, it's likely to sound generic and corny. I think this is a weakness and a strength of Taylor Swift's work. It's hard to say if her music today could get by on pure artistry, like say if it was released by an unknown musician, because it relies so heavily on the fact that people are deeply invested in everything she does now. This means her songs aren't just clever and catchy, they scratch a celebrity gossip itch, which serves as a pleasure multiplier. Bang on. The best thing I've read, I think, on Taylor Swift in a while. Yeah. Because I was like, I love Taylor Swift music. My favourites will always be the red 1989 era. Midnight's, Groundbreaking. Midnight's, I know, I know. Midnight's, I'm, I'm struggling to really connect. You can't quite get in. I can't. I don't mm. hate it, but I can't connect. Mm. But the pleasure multiplier thing is so bang on for me. It's to be like, I'm having a great time with it all. Yeah, I think that's all absolutely bang on. I think we will get the answer to that question Haley raises of, 
it's hard to tell whether this music will get by on pure artistry without the celebrity power of Taylor yeah. Swift, without all the storytelling. We will find that out in a few generations' time. Like, will people be listening to this album and these songs in 20, 30 years' time? Like, we know that our generation loves Fleetwood Mac yep. from all those years ago. So I think we will get the answer to that, but it won't be for literal decades. Yeah, got to be patient. Yeah, I do love the album. I say that as a Taylor Swift stand, so I need to put that on the record. She is absolutely in my past basket. But I just think this album really taps into what I like about Taylor Swift. Like my favourite songs by Taylor are the ones that she's collaborated with Jack Antonoff on. Yeah. This entire album is a collaboration between the two of them. It's like all of the stuff I love about Taylor, like the Cruel Summer, False God vibe in an album which has made me absolutely latch onto it. Like my ears don't know what she's put into this album to make it so addictive. I think my favourite TikTok video of all time is the snippet. Well, it's actually from the documentary, Miss Americana, (laughs) but it's a snippet that's on TikTok all the time. And it comes off my feet, I swear, like once a month. Jack Antonoff and Taylor Swift are in a studio riding Getaway Car and they're like getting the lines and they're getting really, really excited. And then it just cuts to a scene of her on stage in front of thousands of people singing the very lyrics they just wrote. I get goosebumps just watching that video even talking about it. So I (laughs) I agree with you and I think that's why I was kind of disappointed with the album is because I also love the stuff that she does with Jack Antonoff. So I was like, why is this not for me? Annabelle, mm. I have only listened to the album once and that was in the office on Friday afternoon. Because I forced you. you. <laughs> yeah. I want to get into it though. I have loved Taylor's old stuff like you, Zara. Speak Now was my fave, but I just can't really get into this one. It's not really a Speak Now vibe. Also, yeah. Annabelle, I think you and I are quite similar and we don't get excited about new music. Yes. We've had many conversations about that. Mm. New music will never get me excited. I kind of need the radio to tell me what I like. Or TikTok now, which, yes. is, which is why I love Antihero. Exactly. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> we do need to have a very quick moment for one of the lines in Antihero, which has confused literally everyone under the sun. The lyric, sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill, still baffles me days after first hearing it. I thought I misheard it when I heard that. So did time. I. Sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill. <laughs> People are trying to hint towards it being something about 30 Rock, right? Well, my little sister Evelyn last night, I was with her. She turned to me and went, that's a reference to The Rock. And I was like, The Rock? The rock. And she goes, that's a reference to The Rock. I'm like, is in Dwayne The Rock Johnson? She's like, yeah. I'm like, no, honey, it's a reference to 30 Rock. Oh, honey. The TV show. Apparently, Sexy Baby is a term coined on 30 Rock all those years ago. It's to describe how predatory men can be to women who seem younger or seem more childlike. So they do use the word sexy baby. Is Taylor Swift perhaps a 30 Rock fan? Maybe. I would still say it's it's too niche and too weird a reference to just chuck into a song. I kind of like it though. And obviously Taylor Swift does nothing by accident, so she probably knew we'd talk about it. <laughs> now, one of the biggest talking points from the album, as we mentioned in the intro, is of course around track eight, a song titled Vigilante Shit. Now, it is, we should note, the only song on the album that she wrote alone people are talking about this song because they're wondering if it's written about Scooter Braun. Now, of course, Scooter Braun bought all her masters in 2019 and that's why she's since re-recorded all her albums. Mm. Now, the song in question features Taylor helping one of her enemies' ex-wives get revenge. Here is a passage from the song. I hate <laughs> I hate reading lyrics. I hate it so much. Then sing it. 
She needed. Yeah, go on. Give us a little. Well, to be honest, a little ditty. I I don't like this song because Taylor Swift basically speaks this rather than sings it. Oh my god, this is an amazing song. She needed cold hard proof, so I got her some. She had the envelope. Where do you think she got it from? Now she gets the house, gets the kids, gets the pride. Picture me thick as thieves with your ex-wife, and she looks so pretty driving in your Benz. So it's obviously about a woman. Lately, she's been dressing for revenge. Yes. (laughs) Now it's obviously about a woman who has been wronged. There's no wife who has been wronged. Well, that's exactly right. So you might be wondering, well, what does this have to do with Scooter Braun? Well, Scooter Braun and his now ex-wife, Yale Cohen, divorced in July 2021 after cheating rumours began to circulate. Scooter was accused of having an affair with Real Housewives star Erica Jane. Yeah, we don't speak enough about Real Housewives on this podcast. This is like my ideal celebrity gossip, Taylor Swift overlapping with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So if you don't know about the show, don't worry. It's very, very simple. This rumour that Scooter Braun cheated on Yale with Erica Jane first gathered momentum a couple of years ago, November 2020, after another Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star, a woman who was on the show years ago named Dana Wilkie, posted a DM from her follower to her Instagram page. Now, that DM read, I don't know many specifics, but a friend of mine works in the industry and despises Scooter Braun. She told me Scooter and Erica met at an LA sex club and have been together ever since. Now, Dana posted that to her page. Why would you do that? Because all the real housewives are messy as and I adore it. We don't have evidence really any robust evidence that an affair did happen between these two Erica did deny it on the show she essentially tossed it out and said that's so silly or like that's so stupid no way I haven't seen him in four years but the room is still bubbling away people yes, and, still talk about it and they did divorce the next year now here's the thing when it comes to this song and people trying to connect it to Scooter Braun some of the evidence is pretty flimsy in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> Some fans believe that a lyric that is crossing all of mine refers to how Scooter Bond purchased all of Taylor Swift's masters without her knowledge. Another lyric, someone told his white collar crimes to the FBI. People think is in reference to a recent lawsuit that Scooter is embroiled in by a former business partner. I'm just a bit confused by this because being investigated by the FBI and being sued by a former business partner are not the same thing. No, they're not. But I genuinely do think this song is about Scooter Braun and Yale. I do because I think it's a dramatisation. I think it's all based on a dynamic where a high-profile man who loves the party life, cheats on his wife, gets found out and then ends up in legal drama. I think it's been dramatised for the purpose of storytelling and like a juicy story. I also don't think that Taylor and Yale Cohen are like linking arms and exacting revenge on Scooter Braun together. I think that's where the drama element has come from. Do I think these lyrics in this song is absolutely inspired by Scooter and Yale? A hundred percent, yes, I think it is inspired by this cheating allegation divorce story. If I was just given this as evidence, I would have said, uh, I'm just going to put this one to the side. It's not it. However, there's another very, very compelling piece of evidence. A non-flimsy piece of evidence. (laughs) People might remember that on the evening of the VMAs or the after party for the VMAs, the same evening that Taylor Swift announced this new album, she went to the after party wearing this navy blue jumpsuit with silver stars on it and a white fur coat. Pretty iconic image. She made sure she was photographed that night and that photograph was circulated far and wide. It was everywhere. Now, that's all fine and chill until you realise it looks like an exact mashup of Yale Cohen's two Met Gala looks from 2018 and 2019. In 2018, Yale wore a white fur sort of shawl 
ball-like thing mm. in a white mini dress. The year after, she wore a navy dress with silver stars on it. Yeah, it looks like what she's wearing on her last major red carpet appearance we have from Yale Cohen. It looks like and she's the, literally wearing a costume from the album Midnight's. Yes, and it's like... It's the Met Gala. The other thing I thought was, are these just random red carpets that people are pulling from to kind of tell a story? You've got the 2018 and 2019 Met Galas. Then obviously we didn't have the Met Gala after that because of the pandemic. So it is really her last big, huge pop culture moments, mm-hmm. visible pop culture moments, and they're the last two outfits she was wearing. And the outfits do look near identical. Like, cannot stress that enough. Maybe we'll put something up on our Instagram story when we do Your Say Friday. But I agree with you. I think... Taylor is referencing this and I actually think the entire branding for Midnight's was kind of based on that outfit that Yael Cohen wore to the Met Gala. And I think one conversation point that I wanted to wrap this episode with was a conversation about pettiness, right? So many people say Taylor Swift's so bloody petty. Like why can't she just get over things like the Scooter Braun thing? And in that podcast that I recommended at the very start of this episode as one of my weekly recommendations, Anne Powers spoke about that reputation of pettiness that Taylor Swift had and she said, I do not think Taylor Swift is petty. I think she is embedding kind of serious messages into these very individualistic, seemingly confessional tales. I've been biting my tongue here wanting to talk about the scarf, the immortal famous Jake Gyllenhaal scarf and the theory that all too well is about losing her virginity because then it doesn't become petty anymore. That's a major moment in any young person's life. Mm. I really liked this note because it was like it's so easy for us when so many of these things are dramatised and confessional to kind of discard it as immature pettiness. But Anne Powers is arguing there's often more to it when Taylor Swift is singing like this. Yeah, I agree with that. And even if you could accuse her of being petty in other examples, like not the scarf kind of symbolism, I don't really care if she's petty. I truly don't care. It's good art. It's so entertaining. It's good entertainment and it's good marketing. And no one's really suffering at the hands of her pettiness. Like, sure, it makes some men in Hollywood a slight bit uncomfortable. Am I really concerned about them? Am I concerned about the John Mayers and the Scooter Brawns of the world? No, I think they're going to be absolutely fine. My final piece of closing evidence that Midnight's does reference Scooter Braun multiple times. Taylor does refer to her male enemy in other lyrics and other songs as Spider Boy in this album. Spider Boy, SB, Scooter Braun. There she yep. is. Got it. <laughs> and a lot of initials going on in this episode. A lot of uh, Spi- big dicks, Spider Boy. Spider Boy is just a tiny bit cringe is all. Oh, well, look, if we're going to really I know, go through the lyrics, there is a slight tinge of cringe with all Taylor things. And let's I not talk it. about that bejeweled film clip. Oh. Let's not talk about that. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you want to support the show, you know what to do. Click follow wherever you get your podcasts, particularly Spotify and Apple. That helps other people find the show. Yeah, and Cody and Emma, we hope you've enjoyed this one. Yes, (laughs) if you're out there, give us a hey. (laughs) Annabelle, anything to add? Someone DM'd me asking if I ever add anything at the end of an episode. And to them I say, once a month, when we have book club on the Sunday. We've got book club on Saturday. Oh, we have book club on this Saturday. (laughs) You actually do. Always remember. Book club this Saturday. Back in your ears on Monday with Scandal. See you then, guys. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.